0: there we go there we go there we go and welcome back to my second hour on air with you right here on radio pulpit 657 am your daily companion it is an absolute absolute privilege and honor for me yet again tonight to spend some time with my brother in christ and um, i can't wait can't wait to get the next hour uh, going so uh, firstly um I just want to give a big, big shout out to all of our listeners from all around the country and all around the world, um, and, and a special shout out. And I do it every week, but I want to acknowledge this because I think, without a doubt, the biggest listener that I know is is Quis, all the way in Australia. And, 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 and Quis tuning in every single evening, all the way from Night Shift in Australia it is, it is just amazing. It's amazing. And, Chris, you are an absolute legend. Thank you very much for your support, my brother. All right. So we're done with pulpit Sport, and we're done spending some time with sport. And this evening, myself and my colleague, Dr. Sam, will be spending some time again. And earlier today when I spoke to Dr. Sam about this evening... It's actually quite amazing what Dr. Sam brought up as our discussion topic for tonight, as, as this topic is also very, very dear to my heart. And yeah, COVID has done a lot to the world, but what exactly happened in the church world? Um, what happened about the church shift and redefining our position in these last days as the church? Now, I just want to clearly state that when I talk about the church and when Dr. Sam talks about the church tonight, we're not referring to a church, we are referring to the church of Christ. All of us are the church of Christ and all of us have received the mandate of the church and we have received the responsibility to be God's church so i'm excited to hear what dr sam has got to say about that but before we go any further if you want to interact with us tonight please do so right now our whatsapp channels are open our sms lines open our telegram line is open our social media facebook line is open if you want to just send us a message please do so 08265727 to nine. All right, so you can't go anywhere for the next hour up until the top of the hour, eight o'clock. Myself and Dr. Sam will be talking. So I think let's get the show on the road. And like always, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome my brother and colleague in Christ, Dr. Sam Ndoga. He is the current principal of Reaching a Generation Leadership Academy. Dr. Sam my brother from another mother my colleague in christ how are you my friend
1: man it's so good to get such a resounding welcome (laughs) uh thank you so much for that i'm doing great and so much better for joining you for this next hour and a bit yeah
0: Dr. Sam, it's an absolute privilege for me on Filling the Gap this year. I am blessed with having you on my show uh, once a month. And I'll be honest with you, I really look forward to our our time on air. In fact, um, we know we're doing something right if listeners start phoning into Radio Pulpit and asking, when is Dr. Sam on air again? So accolades to you, Doc, um, but it's a privilege having you yet again.
1: It's awesome to be here, and thanks for those kind people uh, for, for really just being faithful and uh, journeying with us as we just uh, unravel the Scriptures and what God has given us here. Thank you so much for that.
0: So, Doc, just, uh, just, before, just before we go into the detail regarding this evening's discussion points, um, it's an interesting discussion topic, um, what what was the reason for you wanting to discuss this tonight? Was it was it prompted by the Holy Spirit, or is it something that you feel strongly about? Why do we need to talk about the shift in the church world?
1: Yeah, I think uh, obviously the the Spirit of God has ways of stirring our hearts and helping us see things we would otherwise not see. Uh, many times, but also taking us back to the Scriptures. Uh, because any conscientious uh, true follower of Christ right now is is processing a lot because there, there is quite a bit that's that 's happening a- at the moment so so when you 're trying now to process all of that, then uh, I guess you really get to to that place where you you want uh, real answers. Um, because also, as a leader, people look up to you one way or another, uh, expect you to kind of have it together uh, when they bring the kinds of questions they will be asking you. So, this topic really is just something that I think it's a right time to be talking about the church shift because it's not business as usual. We have not been able to meet. for for a year uh, under normal circumstances and uh, a number of churches uh, from some of the stats we're getting have shut down and some never to come back. Uh, Also some of the churches that were on the fringes or preachers who were not quite the real thing, this time they've really been exposed and there's a remnant of a faithful few that are still standing
0: and I guess it's time to take stock. Uh, Doc, it's it's it's. I agree with you one hundred percent. One of my one of my uh, uh, present, well, some, one of my guests once a month. Uh, I'm sure you are familiar with her, is uh, Reverend Paul Coupe. And once a month, we talk kingdom legislation. And Paul Coupe, in in last month's session, she said something that's it's 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 very strong words. But I couldn't agree with her more, and I've got the feeling you'll also agree with us. Before lockdown, we already had certain churches sitting on the back seat in communities. Mm. Lockdown has now not only created people sitting on the back seat, but church leaders have become comfortable sitting on the back seat. And, and according to Reverend Paul Coupe, um, it is, it is not how it's supposed to be. We as the church are supposed to be at the forefront of this pandemic. We are supposed to be at the forefront of of guiding government um, 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 in regards to legislation. We are supposed to be in the forefront if it comes to the emotional and social well-being of of, of our communities. COVID has, in a certain sense, Doc, they have quite, COVID has quieted the voice of the church. And, and I feel strongly that it is about time that we do not become comfortable in that backseat and we, that we become the leaders of our country again. Would you agree with me on that, Doc?
1: Absolutely. In fact, uh, Dwayne, I'll take you to the word that Jesus uses to describe who we should be. Uh, In Matthew 16, verse 18, when he says, I will build my, and the English says church, but when you look at the word he uses there in the Greek ecclesia, ecclesia is the equivalent to date of the Greek senate. In other words, this is the, if you go to Acts 19, it's actually defined for us, the Senate at Athens, when there was a riot, asked the people to be dismissed so that they could deliberate and allow the lawful ecclesia to look at the crisis and come back with answers and the way forward. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my ecclesia. These are lawmakers, people who deliberate (laughs) on issues that are happening in society and come up with answers in terms of the normative. Because he could have said, I'll build my temple. There was no standing building after he left. He could have said, "Uh, I'm going to come up with the religious group. He didn't use those traditional words. He takes a concept that's almost not religious in in that framework and says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up, in Ecclesia, when when the people, original people, were standing there and hearing this, they realized that this guy is not about putting together uh, just a, a bunch of people who will come together and worship on a Sunday and go home. Well, if he was going to do that, there was already a temple where people met and had prayers and so forth. He didn't spend much time there. Actually, what he did, he spent more time in open spaces Mm. where he interacted with people directly, not around any four walls of a building, really. Most of his time was out there in the marketplace to use modern terminology, where he was determining what ought to happen. That's the shift that needs to take place in our minds in terms of what we are as the body of Christ.
0: Well, you couldn't sum it up any better, or in fact, you couldn't confirm Paul Coupe's words any better because every single session that Paul's on air, she starts with the explanation of the ecclesia. And, and for me, you literally just confirmed that. And, and, and something that just sometimes blows my mind, Doc, before we get to our topic, just in closing with this topic. Um, It blows my mind that once things have become legislated on parliament level, then the church wants to express its concerns. But as Reverend Paul Coupe has stated, it is roughly about 30 times easier to stop legislature from becoming legislation than what it is to change it after it has been legislated.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so... being proactive is really where we need to be as God's people. And part of that basically means if we are being the true ecclesia, staying in tune with what's going on, Mm. and then being on the forefront of informing those decisions that ought to be taking place, we, we won't be lagging behind. Let me say something that, that's amazing. Uh, when when I did research uh, maybe ten years ago, to try and find out who was at the forefront of some of the developments across the continent, and I found that a majority of what we even call political movements, most of them were started by Christians hmm. whose concern was to actually see a better situation for their people. By the way, the ANC was started by missionary-raised uh, Christian thinkers. The first ANC president was the Reverend Dr. John Dube. I mean, that should already make us think about... Oh, my goodness, this mm. this is amazing mm. that a man of God was the first chairperson of the, of the ANC and you will see in the history of the ANC that uh prominent men of God took uh positions at people who were so committed to seeing uh change now what, what where did we lose things in this nation when christians are in retreat mm. at matters of national interest. Mm. Then mayhem comes and takes over.
0: Sure. Sure. Doc, it seems like the two of us will need to have a whole session on that. Uh, I've said this multiple times and I'll say it again. It's just a privilege being on air with you. You are absolutely a man of so much wisdom. Um, But let's get back to our topic, Doc. We spoke about the church and we specifically spoke about the church shift and redefining our position in the last days. I want to start off with the first question, Doc. Are we in the end times, and what is that all about?
1: <laughs> the The end times is basically the period between Christ's ascension and then when he returns. That whole season is the end times. When you read the scriptures, um, the the New Testament in particular, you start picking the vibe that... Uh, the apostles expected Christ to return in their own lifetime. When he said the, his return is imminent, it's sudden, they actually expected from the time he, he went up, they expected he would come back any time. So the season started then, and he gave us a number of things or developments. A lot of them are cyclical. In other words, they, they happened then, They've been happening throughout scriptures to keep us being reminded that we are in season of the season of, of the last days. You know, uh, John would even say, you know, the Antichrist is coming, but the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in the world. So while there might be an individual that might finally manifest the work and workings of that individual, or that spirit, is already with us. That's why we have a myriad of uh, false apostles or prophets and um, false teachings that are predominant, false churches. Uh, we have the Church of Satan. We have all these things that are taking place to kind of remind us over and over again that we are in this season of the of the last days. Now, Uh, He predicts in Matthew 24 that there will be wars and rumors of wars. We've been in that season. Uh, He says diseases, pestilences, earthquakes. When you look at everything he describes, uh, throughout history, we have seen those things. They are more pronounced, if you ask me, even now. I mean, uh, in East Africa recently, there were locusts that couldn't be explained, plagues of locusts that would come. They've had floods, they've had so many phenomena that is completely unusual, so that is part of what the end times will always do that even if it doesn't come in our lifetime, the next generation will continue to experience these things because these signs have been described and promised to be to be prevalent uh, uh you know in this in this season, yeah.
0: Yeah, Doc, I actually recently read something where someone specifically discussed the end time and it was a very profound statement made. Um, uh, Jesus firstly, he, 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 love is a choice. Love isn't forced, all right? So he wants us to choose him. Jesus does not force us to choose him. And something for me that's actually quite, that was bold in the statement, and I don't know if you if you if you, you'll get where I'm coming from, is someone said that, if you can put a time and a date on the end time or a time on and a date on someone's death, it would firstly make the love of Jesus cheap because people would live a sinful life up until the time and date that's been given to them. And then they'll repent just for safety. But that isn't, that isn't love. That isn't living love while living. Um, and that for me is actually very profound. People want to put a time and a date on the end times. But there shouldn't be a time on a date because God wants us to love Him anyway irrespective of when He chooses to come back.
1: That's right. Well, the second coming of Christ is totally unpredictable. Totally. Uh, how many people have... Come up with formulas and precise calculations, um, and some even had people sell their homes, go to some place where they said he would first make an appearance mm. and I mean <laughs> and he never showed up, uh, so Jesus himself says no one knows the date except the Father who is in heaven so but the the, the second thing we've got to realize about the second coming is it 's always described in our Bibles. In the sense of imminence and suddenness, mm. it means it it will happen soon, but it also happen with the sense of suddenness when we least expect it. So mm. while we have all these signs that are taking place all the time, there is not a single sign that will say, "Oh yeah, now," you know, is the time. It, mm. it will catch us completely by by surprise. Therefore, thirdly. The second coming demands perennial readiness on our part because he has to find us faithful. He can't come and then uh and then tell us you know uh okay, you've got so much uh time left before I come you know that's why the parable of the ten virgins is is a good reminder five that we're wise that we're ready. And five, that we're foolish, that we're not ready. Because in that culture, when the bridegroom got married, he would get uh, engaged, betrothed to the woman, and then go away to prepare a place, uh, the home in which he would move with this lady. So he would never announce when he would come back for the bride. That's the analogy that is used to describe when Christ would return. So he told us, in john 14 is going to prepare a place for us so what's going to happen he's going to come back for us Mm. when does he come when we least expect him to do that so what we can't do is to then relax and say ah you know what we we still have time we don't have any time because we don't know when
0: but but what does this entail on the part of the church
1: Yeah, so so firstly, when you think about uh where where the church is at. One of the things that he tells us is that that many Christs and false Christs will arise as part of this season. What that means is not everyone who says, "Lord, Lord," shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What that actually implies on anyone is to be so introspective, number one, but secondly, to test if what they've exposed themselves to is authentic. Just because a person calls himself an apostle or a pastor or a preacher or a prophet does not translate to always being the truth. It's not. So we're not guaranteed as God's church that when people meet together in the guise of uh, a Christian ministry, it always translates to that. It doesn't. What it entails on us as God's people is to really reach out, search the scriptures, search the truth that we have, and even to, to have this experience that I always uh, refer to many of my friends who revealed Christ to you. Because if you didn't come to the saving knowledge because there was a self-disclosure of God, then you are very vulnerable to the doctrines of men, to the creations of men. Uh, I, I had a debate with a friend the other day who said to me, oh, how do you know you are not following someone's religion, because I said to him, because the person who revealed this to me is not uh, a human being per se, it's God himself. Mm. So I had to have that conviction that I didn't follow um, you know, what might be a, a human you know, experience or a human religion. I, I was a young man at university with so many questions. You know, I'd been raised in a Christian home but got to a place where I was asking questions for myself. And in that precise moment of really asking deep questions, then I'd encounter with God that I have held on to that has kept me going up to now. So much that if if I'm even exposed in an environment that's not authentic, I can uh, surmise what's going on raise questions, and know that this is not of God. So the church right now has to be very careful. God's people have to always be looking and asking serious and deep questions because uh, narrow is the way, but wider is the road that leads to destruction. So even a ministry that's popular, that's seemingly successful in, in human terms, does not always mean uh, God is at work there. No. We have to now really ask who are those that are following Christ authentically according to the principles of scripture? And you notice there are even some some who who don't who don't even regard God's word as God's word. But thrive in ministry, you know, do, doing things that you have a captive audience, you have so many things happening that look like, oh my, this person is being used of God. No. That that does not amount to anything. The only way we know is the fruit. The fruit. Sure. Nothing more.
0: This is an interesting topic. Um, Doc, we're going to take a short break. Maybe you can also go grab a sip of water. Uh, myself and Doc will be back right after the break. We're going to listen to a song. And when we get back, we're actually going to talk about this church soft And I can't wait to hear the rest of the answers. so. And uh, yeah, absolutely, there's greater things to come for the children of God. And um, just a privilege once again spending time again tonight with my brother, Dr. Sam. Uh, Doc, once again, thanks for spending time with me, and I'm excited with uh, the rest of uh, this evening's chat.
1: <laughs> Likewise, Dwayne. It's just awesome. Just really, really great to to be touching base like this.
0: All right, Doc, let's go over to our next question. If the church can't meet in contact sessions, how does a Christian find meaning um, when out of fellowship?
1: Yeah. So one of the one of the most uh, meaningful things that's happening right now uh, under lockdown or strict uh, uh, limited uh, meetings is um, you are beginning to see uh, a shift in the people that are truly committed who make an effort uh, versus the people who were attendees uh, and there's a greater difference. The, the, The church, by definition, when you look at Ephesians 4, it will... It will actually outline what we need to be. He says he's raised the, uh, you know apostles and prophets and, and, and pastors, evangelists and teachers to to equip the saints for works of service. So that actually says primarily our roles as God's people do not reside in church attendance. That's why we all have spiritual gifts. Actually, meaning is derived from exercising a spiritual gift, which is an uh, an ability that you have supernaturally received. In other words, you have been given an ability that you could not naturally, naturally, Uh, negotiate. So if you want fulfillment in life, it's when you align yourself to execute what God has bestowed in you to do supernaturally, that is more meaningful than uh, simply attending a church service where you will be listening to one gift, either a preacher or teacher speaking. What you really, really need to be doing as a as a Christian right now is exercising your spiritual gifts. And by the way, these gifts are not limited to church contexts. There's no gift that can only be exercised uh, within within the church. All these gifts can effectively be exercised. Wherever God chooses, uh, to, to use you, like one of the things I do is, is, is leadership training. Uh, and when I got the, that gift of, of teaching, which I didn't have before, but supernaturally God gave it to me. Initially I thought, you know, I'll just be teaching scriptures in, uh, in, in, you know, in a church context and that'll be it. And I got an invitation. In fact, it was a very strange thing. I was running a training in a church and someone heard me running this training and he went to the uh, managing director of the organization he worked for, which did uh, you know executive leadership training. And this person said to, to their leader, uh, I heard a man yesterday, I think you you need to meet him. And they invited me to, to, to that meeting and... Uh, they tricked me into accepting going with them to run a training uh and in that case it was a training with the angolan government uh they were running a training for for all the uh the civil servants and cabinet ministers i didn't know i was going to a high profile training like that but nevertheless i did go and spent five days running this training when we finished the training uh, the leader, the lead trainer came to me and says, my goodness, where have you been? We need to take you all over the world. Now, I was actually surprised thinking these are the, the experts who should be setting the perimeters of what ought to be happening. But they released me to have my own expression of my understanding of leadership and found the things I was teaching, by the way, which were biblical principles, quite compelling. Mm. Suddenly dawned on me that all the most of the people right now who are leadership gurus that I've been ra- uh, reading about, your John Maxwell's, your Peter Drucker's, and and, and so forth, they all are men of faith. Mm. These are the people who are. I mean, John Maxwell was a pastor for almost 30 years before he broke into leadership training. Mm. Now, these are your uh, (laughs) people that have uh, been dominating that space for years now. And then it, it dawned on me that their spirituality is not interfering with their ability to train in any context. Any, So your spiritual gift is not limited to, to a church context at all. You might limit it to that. So you can simply find ways of taking what God has given. I mean, I remember even sitting under one of John Maxwell's teachings, When, uh, you know, it was a breakfast that he did in, in Midrand when somebody asked him, where do you get these ideas from? And he actually say, if I tell you, you would not believe it. And this man insisted, I need to know. And he said, well, it's one of the oldest documents that was ever written. And he says, where is it? And he said, well, uh, it's uh, one of those documents that has two sections. One is called the Old Testament. The other is called the New Testament. away. And the second story I can tell you is um, I, I met somebody who um, in Atlanta, that's where the headquarters of Coca-Cola is. And this man was, uh, was one of the top executives there. In fact, uh, the privilege of, of living in their home and uh, spend a couple of days, they were hosting me because of the conference that was happening. And I asked him, I mean, Coca Cola sells uh, over a billion dollars of products a day. A day.
0: Sure, sure. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot.
1: A billion dollars a day. So I kind of wanted to know, I said to them, so. Where where do you derive your principles of how you run this organization from? And he almost did a John Maxwell thing to me. He says, "If I tell you, you will not believe it." I said, "Try me." He says, "The Book of Nehemiah."
0: Are we talking about Coca Cola? Yeah,
1: Coca Cola. Your Coca Cola. Sure. So. They said. All the principles they expose their leaders to are based on the book of Nehemiah in your Bible.
0: That comes as a great shock to me. Sure.
1: So, all I'm saying is, how do we find meaning as God's people today? The sooner we learn that God is not confined to the four walls of a building,
0: yeah. Mm. The
1: greater impact is going to be across the board.
0: Yeah, Doc, and I also firmly believe that this this new season presents um, new opportunities for the church. I think, I think a church that became comfortable, as we discussed earlier in our program, a church that becomes comfortable at the back seat, um, these churches, with all due respect, they'll end up closing their doors because. They didn't see the new opportunities in a new season. I think the churches that realize that as much as the world is reaching people, the church can also reach people. Um, I don't know if you agree with me, but there's definitely opportunities for the church in that this new season presents.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so I think what's, what's crucial now is for us to start defining ourselves appropriately so, for example as a as a lecturer, I have to now qualify myself as a Christian lecturer. In other words, there is nothing that I do as a lecturer that God is not interested in. Sure. What we have done is mm. we dichotomized our professional lives. Mm. you know it's almost like when we go to work, we exercise our professional qualifications. And then when we're done with that, uh, we go to church to worship the Lord on a Sunday morning. That's a completely contradiction of the highest proportion. Mm. Because Christianity is not what we do on a Sunday. Christianity is a way of life. It's holistic. It totally invades everything I am, wherever I am. It is who I am. It is who I am. Mm. But we, we have used religious terminology that even says, uh, this is my spiritual uh, walk with the Lord. No, no, no. It's your walk with God holistically. Holist- it, it affects everything that you are. That's why he says love the lord with all your soul with all your heart with all your strength with all your being because there is not a part of that mm. who that which you are that's not affected by 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 god. Mm. So part of this shift basically means I can't I can't then even look at my culture and let the culture define me. No i define my culture based on what uh what god's word says Ooh, that's true so i'm no longer i'm no longer uh an african uh you know and that's that's my frame of reference i i'm a a christian who happens to be african
0: Chop, that's powerful
1: so <laughs> That's that's how I describe myself. Because the moment I say I'm an African Christian, what I'm saying is being African is is non-negotiable and whatever that comes with. But what I need to be saying to myself is actually no, I'm African. No, no, I'm actually Christian. There are aspects of this Christianity that would even qualify my being an African other way around Sure. because that 's what determines my identity so yes,
0: doc, yes, as, you know. you, as, you are, as you are talking now, there 's two things coming up to mind right now, and I just briefly to want to mention them just briefly that during lockdown God um, God revealed the true form of worship to me and a lot of people think that worship is a time in the week or a place that I go to a lot of people think it's a band member standing on a church or someone playing a guitar and, 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 and that is, for me, the difference between um, 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 someone just being a, a true follower of Jesus and someone that's just being uh, uh, attending church. Because the Word of God says that he inhabits our praises. So worship isn't a place we go to. It is a place where we stay. If I in, inhabit, it means that, and, and I want to come back to what you just said. You said we go to work during the week, and on Sunday we go to church. That is the wrong way around, because we should live In a place of worship. The second thing is, um, 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 Doc, I don't know if you know a guy in Port Elizabeth called Africa Moshlange. And Africa Moshlange, he said something that's actually very profound. He says that it's about time that not only South Africa, but people in general wake up and realize that continuously blaming your culture is, uh, 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 it's so we are in our comfort zones and blaming a culture is wrong because he says you are born into race culture is a choice and and i want to say that as well i'm of opinion that as children of god being a child of god should become a culture and the moment you hear someone talk about white black colored blah 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 then i'm struggling to understand um what is first in your life because i refer to you as my brother and secondly, yeah. as my brother from a second race. So I don't know how you feel about Africa Moslape's statement of being born into a race, but culture is a choice.
1: That's right. So, so um, can I start with the first one and then come to the, to the second one? Because the first one is even more, more, more it's, it's an interesting, and then I'll come to the, to the culture one. Uh, this, 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 aspects, this aspect of, of worship, Um, What what we need to realize is, even when worship leaders, because the way we use words begins to influence the way we think and the way we behave. Mm -hmm. This is what worship leaders would say, let us go into the presence of the Lord. Now, I understand why they might say that, but the truth of the matter is, you are always in the presence of the Lord you do not exit from the presence of the Lord. So we, we should be asked really to continue in the attitude of worship because we don't worship when we go to a venue. The time is coming... When neither here nor there will be the place of worship, John chapter 4. The worshippers God is seeking are those that worship Him in truth and in spirit, regardless of venue. That's where we are now. So we need to overcome this idea that uh, when I'm now engaged with a worship leader who is supposedly leading me into the presence of the Lord, then uh, we even say to ourselves, oh, the worship was powerful. Oh, by the way, uh the person who needs to be saying that, because worship is what we offer to the Lord, the person who needs to be satisfied with the offering is God, not not us. <laughs> we 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 are not mm. the 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 objects That's powerful. of worship. He is you know, so so he needs to be the one that says, Oh my goodness, these people are really living for me. Because, you know, Romans 12 defines worship, doesn't it? You know, for us, offer yourselves.
0: Mm, true.
1: Totally. Offer yourselves. Sure. That's that's what's easy and acceptable to God. So it's not even what we are necessarily doing when we're together. It's a life that's totally surrendered to him. That's what pleases him. Mm. That's what pleases him. So, the the to, to the second to the second comment then uh, about about culture uh, when when you read uh, this uh, passage in Acts seventeen, he says, "From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them." and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men should seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. How about that?
0: So powerful.
1: That's a statement. So so our geographical locations are God's design inherent in that is so that we can seek him embedded in even where he has placed us how we look that's why you find there's almost no culture regardless of how remote or even if you want to use uh, you know a modern word uncivilized it might be every culture has a concept of god it's when we think we are smart that you have people who, who want to even call themselves atheists. But even atheists, they presume the existence of God. They simply are saying we don't believe in the existence of God. Because if the concept of God did not even exist, logically, you can't call yourself an atheist because it will be a foreign concept. So already you are presuming uh the you know supposing the existence of god and simply denying it, that's what makes a person an atheist mm. so so that said that said we have we have to realize that if every culture has a concept of god then it's we we are just one step away from always seeking and reaching out to this god and usually usually the times where people are forced to do that, mm. uh, this COVID-19 crisis has done some, some, some of that. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. One of my friends uh, was hospitalized, not for COVID, but for, for other reasons. So I was allowed to go see him. And next to him was uh, uh, a man just from his dress code. And what I could see, it looked like he was uh, uh, a Muslim. So I wanted to, to be respectful, but I'd come to pray, gone to hospital to pray with my with my friend. So I prayed with my friend. Obviously, we pray in the name of Jesus uh, that his surgery would go well. And then I saw this man sitting there looking to, at me uh, and realizing that he had a, a very, very delicate surgery was going to go through so the way he was looking at me having watched me pray for my friend i could just see that he was ready for me to pray with him so i said to him do you mind if mm-hmm. i pray for you but bear in mind i can only pray in the name of jesus sure. because i didn't want to offend his religion what was interesting was he didn't say no so sure. why you see any culture when you are in a position of desperation, you know you need God. Because he's your only choice at that point. Sure. And and you could say, I'm, I'm in the hands of the most gifted uh, surgeons who will operate on me. You know that's not good enough. Mm. Because I asked this guy, what do you want me to pray about? He says, well, so that God would, would remember me at this time. True. Sure. He didn't say, uh, so that the surgeons would... uh, No, no, no. So God would remember me at this time. Interesting. I prayed. I prayed for him. So every culture is a notion of God. And this is something we need to to realize, regardless of how primitive it might be, God is attested by any culture. So what is culture? Culture truly is the way that we discover who God is. That's what true culture is all about, in my in my opinion.
0: Powerful opinion, powerful opinion. Doc, can you believe time has run out with us? Doc, just for the listeners, um, where can they get a hold of you? Could you please just give us the details again, please, Doc?
1: So uh, I'm on Facebook to start with, and it's easier to always talk to people. Uh, if you just look up my name, Sam Doga uh it's probably the best best place to start off with uh there's messenger there and mostly i i look at messages we can we can certainly I- interact uh the second place uh if you look uh on our website ragla um you know dot org so www.ragla.org.za you can also uh contact us through through our, our website so probably. Probably those two channels for now would be, would be good to, to connect through Facebook to start off with, and, and I think we, we, we will certainly be, be able to connect.
0: Right, and then, of course, if you want more details, you can also send me a mail, dwayne at radiopulpit.co.za, and I will also make sure that uh, Dr. Sam uh, connects with you. Doc, can you believe it? Time has actually run out with the two of us. <laughs>
1: oh yeah unbelievable as I actually say we, we only were warming up and there was a, a few more things to say and uh, yeah uh, but you know this is all we have and I hope it, it really was useful for Always. us to really go a little bit into that reflective mode number one don't believe everything you hear check it for yourself make sure that you're exposed to, to the truth of uh, where things are at. number two uh, make use of the spiritual gift God has, a, has given you and, and change the world. Uh, and, and lastly, I would say just understand then that your primary place of operation is not the church per se, it's actually more in the world.
0: Bumal, well, there you have it, Dwayne and a Dr. Sam. Dog up. To be continued, once a month, watch the spice.